Let's pray. Father God, we give this service to you. We give the message to you. It's yours. It's your word. We pray, Lord, that it comes through with clarity. Lord, use me as your mouthpiece, I pray. Fill us all with your Holy Spirit, that we would be a discerning people, that we would know the truth from a lie, that we would know your word from the world's. Help us, Father, to live for you. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. In our passage this morning, it's Acts chapter 14, starting at verse 19 through 28. Go ahead and turn there now. Acts 14, 19 through 20. If you look at verse 22, they were traveling along and it says, they were strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. What, what is Paul saying here? As Paul endured persecutions, trials, and hardships, was he somehow winning salvation points? Was it through these tribulations he was then entering the kingdom of God? Was he earning his way? Uh, how could this be? How could Paul be saying something like that, that we somehow earn our way into heaven when it's the same man who penned the words of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, that says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's the same man who considered all of his earthly righteousness to be rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. That is the source of our salvation. That is the source of the salvation that we have in the eyes of Paul. It is in Christ and in Christ alone. I'm sure that Paul understood when he said that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. He knew the words of Isaiah, Isaiah 64, 5 through 6, when Isaiah said, Behold, you, God, were angry and we sinned. In our sins we have been a long time, and shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. There's nothing we can do that is truly clean and pure and righteous because we have sin in our flesh. There is nothing more for us to do to gain reconciliation to God than what Jesus Christ has done for us in his death on the cross and in his resurrection to everlasting life. We can do nothing to earn ourselves a place before God. We cannot reconcile ourselves to our Creator. But Paul is saying that suffering, these tribulations in this life, they are part and parcel of living for Jesus Christ. They come with the territory of walking with him in a world that has turned its back on God and the things of God. The God who made it. The God who laid its foundations, who created it. Paul is saying that the trials and the hardships are a certainty. They are a must. They will happen 
for those who love God and are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and are on their way to eternal life in the kingdom of God. Trials will come to those who fill the gap, who fulfill our Acts 1-8 call to bear witness to Jesus Christ, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, here where we are, everywhere we go. Living life for the sake of the gospel, with the gospel as our primary goal. Living life for the sake of Christ is hard. We cannot and we should not try to whitewash it somehow and hide the difficulties of Christian life. Paul doesn't. In our passage today, we see that Paul's human, fra- his human frailty, his humanity, is actually imposed upon him. He is forced to recognize that he is finite. He can be hurt. His time and his space limited. One day he will die. And so it goes for all of us, doesn't it? But recognizing his human frailty, he he does a couple things. First, he works to leave an enduring mark for the kingdom of God. And then he pauses to rest and restore. Let's read Acts chapter 14, starting at verse 19. Let's stand up for the reading of God's word. Verse 19, it says, But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. When they had spoken the word in Perga, and went down to Atalia. From there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived, they gathered the church together. They declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. They remained no little time with the disciples. Reading of God's word. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you. This passage this morning opens up with... Paul being stoned nearly to death. Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, and he was so close to death, they they thought he was dead. Putting his frailty, his humanity on display. And it ends with them spending no little time with the disciples. Verse 28 says, and they remain no little time with the disciples. They needed a break. They are only human, susceptible to stones, getting worn and getting tired. 
But in between those times, in between the stoning and the rest, we see Paul and Barnabas in a, in a practically constant stream of activity in order to make that gospel impact in other people's lives, to follow that Acts 1-8 call on their lives. Have you ever noticed that major life trials, cancer, a death in the family, extreme hardships at work, whatever it might be, they, they give you a new perspective on your life and what's really important. I believe that after Paul was stoned, there was probably a new appreciation for each day that he had been given by God. A new understanding that their time on this earth is limited. And so from the death threats that they received in Iconium to the stoning in Lystra, they get to work for the gospel. Verses 20 and 21. When the disciples gathered around him and rose up and entered the city, on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. They go on to Derbe to preach the gospel right away. If I'm going to die tomorrow, I'm going to preach the gospel today while I have today. And that's just what they did. He was stoned, out there, dragged out of the city. They gather around him. He goes, I'm up. I'm going back. I know my time is limited. If I'm going to die today, I'm going to preach gospel while I can. Every minute that I've been given to live is Christ, Paul says in Philippians. To die is gain. Verses 21 and 22. When they preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. They returned to their previous church plants. They returned to encourage and build up those disciples to strengthen them, teaching them, warning them about the truth of what this Christian life really is going to be like as we really try to live it for God in a world that hates him. Giving them words of wisdom in accord with the word of God. Giving to these new disciples of their own time and energy. Giving them of their efforts and strength serving them before they served themselves. Wouldn't it have been easy for Paul to get up from being stoned and saying, I'm going back home. Just take me to Tarsus. I'm done with this. That isn't what he does. He gives of himself. He goes right back where he came from and strengthens them and gives them good words to build them up. Verse 23. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So Paul and Barnabas, they say, we can't be here every minute of every day, can we? You guys need leaders. You need leadership. So we're going to appoint leaders where we can't be all the time. We are not God. We are not omnipresent. Only God is. So let, here, let's give you, make sure you have strong leadership in these churches. And, and they do that. They appoint these leaders with prayer and with fasting, committing them to God, bringing them before God, not, not casually like, hey, 
why don't you, you accepted Christ first in this church, why don't you lead? Okay, have a good, di- have a good time, guys. Okay, we're moving on. No, they, they stay, and they pray, and they fast. They give this appointing of leaders, and the time they're spending there in that place for the sake of the gospel impact, they're, they're, they're doing it with some effort. How many of us find ourselves fasting on behalf of somebody else? I'm sure some of us have fasted, maybe for somebody else. Praise God. I think sometimes we we find ourselves in a situation, and then we start to fast like, oh, God, please take care of me. I'm not going to eat, so you do what I I hope you'll do, right? How many of us find ourselves fasting, putting real effort, deep, earnest prayer for somebody else? Not for our own gain, but for the sake of others. Committing them to the Lord. How much effort are we putting into building up someone else in their faith and their walk with Jesus Christ? Am I letting people take my time for the sake of their walk with Jesus Christ? After doing these things, they they move on to Pamphylia, and they can't help themselves, can they? Verse 24, they passed through. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. They can't help themselves. Here, here it is. It's spoken almost nonchalantly. Did you notice it? It's mentioned in passing. They passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. They're traveling, but what do they do? They speak the word. Here they are just trying to get back home, and they find themselves once again speaking the gospel, preaching the word of God. Because it's not something they had to do. It shouldn't be something we have to do in our lives. Something we are forced to do, or we feel like, oh no, here I am with an opportunity, I've got to preach God, right? It's they can't help themselves. It's just a part of who they are. As they travel, the gospel spills out onto everybody they come into contact with because of what God has done in their hearts, because what Jesus has done, giving them this new life in Christ. In response to what Jesus Christ has done for them at the cross and in the resurrection, that hope of everlasting life that you have, the world doesn't have it. They use every gift they have and every opportunity to share that truth and to build up the believer. Verses 26 and 27. From there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had fulfilled. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Finally, They are home, back to Antioch. Oh, this is good. They immediately shut the door, grab the couch, flick on the TV, and shut out the world, right? No, they they get to work, encouraging those who had sent them out. These are the ones who who funded and helped and, and prayed and fasted over them. As they went out on this first missionary journey, they came home and they say, let me build you up telling them about the things that God had done through them, the door that he had opened, the disciples that had been made and strengthened, the churches planted. We've been called in accord with Acts 
chapter 1, verse 8. Called by God to bear witness to the truth of Jesus Christ. Right where we are. And everywhere that we go. Have you found that doing that, living for Christ in this world, is hard? Has it brought your life challenge to live out your walk with Christ? If we haven't been challenged by our walk with Christ, I dare say maybe we aren't living it out where people can see it. Because God is hated by the world. But if you have lived out your life for Christ, have you found that, that the tribulations you are enduring, have they reminded you of your human frailty? That our days, our time, and our opportunities are limited? And is that understanding of our finiteness, driving us to use every moment we can for the sake of our call in Jesus Christ. What are we doing with the time that we have been given? Because every time that sun rises and we open our eyes, it's a new day, a gift from God that he has given to us. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 16, it says, Look carefully then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. That phrase, making the best use of the time, it's literally redeeming the time or seizing the opportunity. Are we using the gifts we have for his glory to leave an, an, a lasting impact for the gospel? behind us with the time that we have? What, are we seizing the opportunities? What is being left in my wake? As I look back, what am I seeing? As I look behind me at my missionary journey right where I am in my soil, in my sphere of influence lives, do I see lives built up and encouraged to live for Jesus Christ? Do I see new life in Christ? Am I sharing the gospel? Or do I see excuses and opportunities allowed to pass by. I'm not saying this to induce guilt upon anyone. I'm trying to exhort every one of us, including myself, because I can look back and see those own missed opportunities in my own life, and I regret them. And I want to exhort you and me and all of us together that we wouldn't let another opportunity slip by and just pass us right by, that we'd have to look back and say, I could have shared Christ, I could have lived out my walk, but I just didn't. I want us all to become time redeemers. And that's why we're going to do baptisms tonight, no matter what. Because God's caused the sun to rise. And he's given us this day, and we have people who want to be baptized, and we're going to make sure it happens. I thought of the Ethiopian in Acts chapter 8. As Philip shared the gospel with him, and he was in the chariot, and he said, See, there's water. What's to prevent me from being baptized? Okay, let's do it right here. Let's start living our lives for Christ, living it out, living it where people can see it. 
If you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to be like Paul. Don't look back on the regrets. Don't look back on the missed opportunities, but start making the new opportunities happen. Let's get up from being stoned. Know that we have new life in Christ and start walking in it. As Paul and Barnabas did, let us be tools in the hand of God for his kingdom and his glory in the lives of those around us. Let's learn from their example to get up while our bruises are still fresh and go back into the city, unafraid, because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. We're on our way to entering the kingdom of God. There's going to be tribulations, but let's move on and keep sharing Christ. Use our experiences in this world to build up the body of Christ here at Alden Union, to build each other up. Join a small group. Let's get those things going so that we can have that life-on-life sharing in God's word together, building each other up, using our gifts while we have the time because we never know what day it might be when we don't have any more time i just this morning heard about a young man a police officer 32 years old standing in his living room and he dropped dead no one knows why every day we have is a gift given to us by god let's use the time wisely for the sake of Christ. But while we are called to make the most of the time that we have been given, that, that same finiteness that we feel, that same finiteness that, that drove them to do all they could with the time they had, also caused them to pause and to rest. We can see in this chapter of uh, chapter 14 a, a contrast in, in the frailty of man, a contrast where we see that we are spirit-empowered people, aren't we? And, and our finiteness should drive us to the best use of our time for the sake of our upward calling Jesus Christ, shouldn't it? But we are still weak. We are still in bodies of flesh. In chapter 14, verses 5 through 6, we see that Paul and Barnabas are persecuted out of town by an attempt on their lives. There's a feel-good moment for you. Makes you want to get right back to it, doesn't it? In verse 15 of chapter 14, we looked at this one last week, they have a, a what just happened kind of a moment, like these, these guys aren't getting the gospel and they're, they're not they're, they want to offer sacrifices to us. And they have to admit in that verse their own humanity. In verse 19, our passage today, Paul is stoned nearly to death. Verse 23, why do they appoint leaders in these churches? Because they can't be there. Somebody else has to lead. They are not omnipresent. They can't be everywhere at once. Earlier on this same missionary journey, they were contradicted and reviled. The word was blasphemed, right? Driven out of Antioch, Pisidia. They've been traveling and traveling from place to place for some time now. This has been a long haul for them, hasn't it? And a trying time. We all go through those, don't we? 
because we are finite and limited. That's why we want to leave an impact for the gospel while we can. And that's also why we need to make sure we take a break once in a while. Verse 28, what did they do? They remained no little time with the disciples. They didn't just get right back up and go out on another missionary journey, did they? They did not have endless strength. They needed sleep. They needed to slumber. God does not. After Paul and Barnabas give the download to their sending church, they, they pause there for a while. No little time is what it says. It's biblical. It's good. We all need rest. God created in six days, didn't he? What did he do on the seventh day? He rested. This was not because the God who does not sleep and does not slumber needed rest, but as a sign for us. He did it as an example for the people that he had created, knowing that we would need times of rest, times to focus on the Lord and our life with him, time to restore our walk with him, renewing our hearts, renewing our minds and souls, our entire person, which includes resting our bodies, that we would have strength to continue on. Are you getting the breaks you need? When we don't, we tend to become pessimistic. We tend to focus on the less important and we start to become complainers about this or about that. We find ourselves working so hard and getting so worn that it becomes frustrating when we don't see things going the way we think they should or or see the results that we want to see. After I wrote those very words about becoming pessimistic and such, I thought, who am I to say what the results of taking on too much without a break can do to a person. I'm not a professional psychologist or anything like that. So let let me look it up. And so I found the first few articles I could, and and this is what I found out. I I, I read that chronic fatigue, which can also be called burnout, leads to physical and emotional exhaustion, cynicism, and detachment, feelings of ineffectiveness, and lack of accomplishment, even if you have accomplished something. That's what being tired does to it. That's what being overworked and and doing too much, not getting the breaks we need, can do to a person. Funny how God knew exactly what we needed ages before those professional psychologists wrote it down. And he rested on the seventh day said, you guys got to do likewise. I've seen it in church families many times. We need to be sure that we take time. And and it's not just to get away, not to to go on vacation and and just shake hands with Mickey Mouse or whatever, but, but real time to refocus ourselves on Christ and why we're really here. Sometimes we need to step back and remember what Acts has been showing us this whole time, that that this is all God's. The Acts of the Apostles, as this book has been named aptly, are, are really the Acts of the Holy Spirit through them, isn't it? Are you getting the breaks you need? Breaks that refresh you and bring rest to your mind and to your body. 
Breaks that bring you back to your relationship with your Savior. Breaks that prepare and repair you to to go on that second missionary journey, just as we will find Paul does. Breaks that give you time to soak in God's word and pray, maybe even fast. To meditate on God's word, to pray through it, to, to consider, to ponder, and to come out on the other side built up and encouraged and strengthened and ready to go again. So weekends are good. Vacations are good. Time to relax and to enjoy God's good gifts to us like ice cream and iced tea and watermelon. Those are all ways that God has said, I love you. These things are good and necessary for us. As long as we remember that they are not our goal. We aren't here to be working for the weekend. Vacations and toys are not what we are about. Contrary to the American dream, retirement is not the end. But a Christian dies with their boots on, their gospel-laden boots. Verse 22, what is our goal? They strengthen the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Our goal is entering the kingdom of God. Not this world. Our goal is leaving a gospel wake in our path, impacting the world for the sake of Jesus Christ. As Christians, redeemed and living a new life in Christ, we need to recognize our frailty and our finiteness. We are limited. And we need to let that strike our hearts and our minds that that we would... Let it drive us deep into gospel work in a lost world, knowing that today might be my last opportunity. This might be my last chance. I need to give that gospel. I need to live for Christ every day that I have been given. We need to recognize that frailty and finiteness so that we get the rest and restoration that we need so that we can continue to answer that gospel call of Acts chapter 1, verse 8, bearing witness to the truth of Jesus Christ, that same Christ, that same gospel message that has brought us eternal life, a free gift. We've got it. Let's take it out there. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would help us to, to understand and come to grips with our human frailty. I pray, Lord, that the hardships and the trials that we endure for the sake of your gospel, that they would just drive us to fight for your gospel more today than yesterday. To not let the opportunities pass us by, but to be in that continuous stream of gospel work. And yet, Lord, recognizing when we need that break, to step away, to refresh. Lord, give us good discernment as a family in Christ to build each other up and to ensure that we each have those times of rest, that we would come back and serve and thrive together, living out our lives for you, for the sake of your gospel, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.